Yes, this is the 25-8 Sportscast with Tommy Fink and Jet Rosenstein. I'm Tommy Fink. The guy you haven't heard yet is Jet Rosenstein. The guy you've heard mostly is Caleb Scott. Jet, how are you doing today? No, I mean, I, I think we should really tell the viewers out there what you were doing several years back. You made a cover of this song with your rock mm. band that you were in. I know you guys yeah. went well, on tour around it was the... A rap. It was kind of a rap group. Well, rap, rap group yeah. around the, the city of uh, Lake Mary, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah. You were just yep. touring around the local dive bars and yes, um, grocery stores and all that good mm-hmm. stuff. Just just touring, doing your thing, and now you're here. Yes, I am here. And, and uh, you know, this is episode 60, and let me really tell you why we just listened to Dancing on My Own by Caleb Scott. Uh, because Jet seems a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, surprised and confused. And some of you that may know me, you know, know some of what's been going on the past few days, and they think it's for something else. Uh, the real reason that song was just playing is the Phillies have deemed it their anthem for this playoff run that they're on. You know, first they were dancing on their own, apart from the San Francisco Giants. Next thing they know, they're dancing on their own, apart from the National League East. And now they're dancing on their own apart from the National League as a whole. Four more wins, and they'll be dancing on their own apart from the entirety of Major League Baseball. Um, You know, we'll talk about baseball a little bit more as the show goes on. Uh, And if you haven't seen the videos of the Phillies, too, you know, just just getting absolutely plastered and, and dancing to Dancing on My Own, you know, a group of, what, 30 men age 22 to probably 35 well it's a great watch it's a short one as well and it's very entertaining so go ahead and give it a look uh for copyright reasons if we do ever get you know very 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 famous i don't know what we're gonna do with this episode but uh we'll figure it out figure it out then before we talk more about the phillies in the world series jet let's get an imperfect segue into some National Football League consensus power rankings, Jet. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> these these consensus power rankings are brought to you by our friends at Microsoft Excel, okay. where computing is as easy as one, two, three. Yeah, well, uh, I like pen and paper and calculator, so. Well, yeah, I've been, you know, that's why. I still got, I still got last episode's uh, consensus power rankings that's right now, right here. Yeah, and I got to say with that's these, I, I know last week you had said, you know, you loved how they turned out. I don't, I don't necessarily... You know, love how these turned out. And I think it's a lot to do with the fact that we have a lot of teams pretty far off from one another. Um, And obviously, we're, we're going to get to all of that very shortly. But just like last time, I'll read you 32 to 11. And then we'll dive a little bit deeper into the top 10. And we'll talk about some of our differences. So number 32, the Carolina Panthers. Number wow. th- you number... brought them down quite a bit. I had them a little bit higher. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, the one the rankings that I received in my inbox this morning, um, Panthers at 32 for you and Panthers at 32 for me as well. Okay. Not really much to say there. 31, the Houston Texans. 30, the New Orleans Saints. 29, the Washington Commanders. 28, 
the Denver Broncos, 27, the Jacksonville Jaguars, 26, the Detroit Lions, 25, the Chicago Bears, 24, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 23, the Arizona Cardinals, 22, the Atlanta Falcons, 21, the New England Patriots, 20, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 19, the Cleveland Browns, 18, the Las Vegas Raiders, 17, the Green Bay Packers, 16, the Indianapolis Colts, 15, the Seattle Seahawks, 14, the Los Angeles Rams, 13, the Los Angeles Chargers, 12, my Miami Dolphins, 11, Tennessee Titans. There's your 11 through 32 thoughts on anything that, that stood out for me from our consensus rankings and maybe kind of where I was thinking with, with some of my you team. got uh, You got quite a few teams nowhere near where I believe they should be. <laughs> I don't understand how you have the Bucks as high as you do. Uh, I don't understand how you just continue to put the Bucks over the Steelers when the Steelers just – well, listen, I mean, the Steelers beat the shit out of them. And then they lost to the Dolphins on the road by six. I mean, the Steelers aren't really as bad of a team as no. I think you're just saying that they are. Um, but I don't, I have, the them, bigger I don't issue have them that is, big of a difference from where you have them. I only have them four what? spots lower. The bigger issue is I think you have the Bucks as a much better team than they really are. I don't – I have the Bucks at 24. I don't yeah. know where you put them, but – yeah, so I have, them at, I have them at 15, and based on yeah. where, where I had them last week... They Bullshit, were, Jed. Bullshit. They were, they were at 12 Bullshit. last week. They're at 15 this week, so three spots down. And, you know, when, when I look at this team, obviously they had two back-to-back really bad losses with the Carolina Panthers and the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but this team still on paper has a lot of talent. And, and when I look at some of the teams I have ranked behind them, I still think they are better teams. I have the box ranked ahead of the Seahawks, ahead of the Patriots, ahead of the Packers, ahead of the Raiders, ahead of the Colts. I think the Buccaneers are still better than all of those teams. Um, you know, if they keep – if they struggle on Thursday night football against the Ravens again, they're just going to keep moving down. Obviously, there's no reason to do, have them high if they continue to lose, but they're still a good team. Obviously, tomorrow it should be a must-win game for them at home against the Baltimore Ravens. But for now, I just can't put them any lower than 15. Okay. Um, there's a few other ones in there that I – you have the Seahawks very high, which I'm not – I don't – Only first spot's higher than you. Okay. What was their, where were they in consensus? They were 15 in consensus. Okay. Um, I think you have the Raiders too low. Uh... But the other one, the other one that stood out as far as, like, differencing – difference of, of ranking, there were, there were a couple. There were – the New England Patriots, where I have at 17, and you have at 26, and the Detroit Lions, where I have at 30, and you have at 21. Yeah. Um, for me, I think you're – I think both of these are pretty easily explained. Patriots stink, and you just don't see it yet. And the other one, oh. easy explanation is – the other easy explanation is you had the, you had the Lions as a top-10 team at one point. Um, you're now overcompensating by dropping them 20 spots. So. First of all, with the Patriots, I know they had a really bad loss to the Chicago Bears, but the several games before then, I guess your rankings are just 
focused on one week and one week only. Oh, and you don't really take oh, the whole thing into consideration oh. here. But All right. the Patriots, we, we got to give them a little bit of benefit of doubt. I mean, they were going into the game thinking Mac Jones was going to be starting, and then it didn't even last a quarter, I believe, than Bayless Zappi, who looked, you know, okay at, at, at some parts in the game. Obviously, the Bears ended up taking a – taking full control of that game. But the Patriots still have a really good defense, and their offense has shown some good signs of life. I think 26 is not fair at all for a team that started off really poorly and looks like to be picking things around a, a little bit. Um, I don't really think they're picking things around. Compared to where me, they but... started in the beginning of the year. I, I, <laughs> turning things around, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're picking things around. It's all good. Justin, all right, so here's, yeah. here's what I see when I see the Patriots. They have beaten the Lions – Browns and Steelers. These teams in my rankings are ranked at 20, 21, and where's the Steelers? No, 20, 21. You have the Steelers at 20. And where do I have the Browns? And 13. 13. But oh, the Browns, that's, thir- that's, that's high though, because Deshaun Watson is. On the up and up, and they're continuing that doesn't mean to you put them in, at thirteen. Listen, but they're they're continuing to stay in ball games. Jacoby Brissett really hasn't looked all that bad. The defense has underperformed to this point, um, and then we have them also losing to teams like the Bears and the Ravens that got blown out by, and the Ravens have looked not as good as we thought they would. Um, that was the game where really... Lamar was looking fine, but that was the you know third week of the year, and the, the Ravens were looking better. No, right. If I can get a word in edgewise here, like I, I, what I was saying was, you know, these are games and. You could say it for any team in the NFL, really. I don't know if there's a single team in the NFL that has looked better than we thought they might have, except maybe all the teams that everyone ranked in the bottom, like five or six, like the Seahawks and the Falcons like and the Giants, Jets, all these teams look really good. And I don't know if that's, you know, saying more about them or what kind of what the rest of the NFL looks like. Um, but what I'm going to say for now is to have the Patriots any higher than 25. <sighs> is a bit of a crime to have – I think any, anyone outside of my top 20 being inside the top 20, there's some serious issues. I say maybe the Falcons have a chance at the top 20. Other than that, you know, Panthers, Texans. You have the Jaguars a lot higher than I did too, right? Four spots higher, 26. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Panthers, Texans, Jags, Broncos, Commanders, Saints, Patriots, Bears, Bucks, Falcons – Cardinals, Lions, Steelers. I don't think any of these teams deserve a top 20 spot. A lot of the teams in the top 20 don't deserve a, lot, a top 20 spot, but that's just the nature of the NFL this season. Yeah, I mean, when I look at the Patriots, I had them at uh, 17 or uh, 16 last week, and I, I did drop them down one spot. I didn't think they warranted moving down that much more. I know I know it was a rough game against so, the Bears. Here's what I'm looking yeah, at. Yeah, I would like to get a word in. but uh, No, edgewise. Go and say it if you're going to say it right. So, here's what I'm looking at for the Patriots. Uh, they scored, what, 14 points on Monday Night Football? Yeah. Against a really bad Bears defense. Uh-huh. Kind of like a Roquan Smith and who else type of thing. Um, they have some good young guys in the secondary. No, they, they, they do. do. They do. They do. And they've, they've stepped up quite a bit. But, you know, heading into the season, the expectation was the Bears were Roquan Smith, David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, and whatever they were going to get from Justin Fields, Nicole right? Komet as well. Well, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put the eight letter and his whole entire name man in there, but um, yeah, he's not, he's not a part of that for me. But like I said, 
you score 14 points, and they are both off of two bombs from Bailey Zappi that just happened to hit. One was a bomb touchdown, and the other one was like a 40-yard play that got him down to like the three, and then Ramondre Stevenson took it in. Other than that, this team had absolutely nothing going, and a defense that is supposed to be, oh, you know, this Bill Belichick defense, it's, it's well-coached, it's hard to beat, you can't beat it with the same play twice. They gave up 33 points to what I would consider one of the most, if not the worst, not one of the worst. It's definitely one of the most struggling offenses in all of football. Uh, and 33 points, which I know they had that a lot of defensive plays that went into that. It's still too many points to allow to a Bears team. I know. I just think you're forgetting. I know the previous two games against the Browns and the Lions where they absolutely destroyed both of those teams. And I know neither of those teams are, you know, contenders per se, playoff contenders. Maybe the Browns once Watson comes back. But the Patriots, you know, had some dominating ones there, I think. I don't know where you had them last week, but I think to move them down all the way to the, the bottom Patriots. half of the league, it's an interesting development here. Last week, I had the Patriots at 22 anyway. Okay. so, so. Uh, Last week, Patriots consensus. Where are they this week? They are uh, 21 consensus this week. Okay, so we had them at 18. I think that's fair. Yeah. Move them down three spots from getting blown out to the fucking Bears. I agree. To duh, Bears. Enough about the Patriots, though. Let's uh. I think, wanna, I think anything that was else more you want to get in? Discussion, but yeah. Well, <laughs> anything else you want to get into? Eleven through thirty-two. Um. No, you know, I think I think they're good. Who? Where did you have? Where do we have the Bucks? I have the Bucks at fifteen. You have the Bucks no, at twenty-four. Consensus. Oh, consensus. Uh, twenty. Okay, we had them at thirteen last week, which we can both agree that's way too high. Yeah. Was... Um. We both have we have Dolphins at twelve again, right? That's yes. where you had them last week. Yeah. Uh, you said Titans at 11? Titans at 11. Okay, we had the Titans last week at 15. Colts are where? Colts are 16. Colts we had last week at 16. Um, no, I mean, you say you don't like how they turned out. I think it's I think they're pretty fair, really, based on, you know, every team's performances for the week, plus, you know, the Jets losing – quite a bit this past game, yeah. which we'll get into here pretty soon, I would imagine. Very, very but, soon, actually. Yeah, let's go ahead and get into number 10, the New York Jets. Number 10, the Baltimore, the New York Jets are coming in at number 10. Uh, I had them at 10. Tommy had them at 11. Obviously, you know, another nice win over the Broncos, which, I mean, it wasn't, no one's really surprised considering how bad the Broncos have been. But um, as much of a win as it was for the Jets, it was also a huge loss with them losing Brees Hall Elijah Vera Tucker, two significant injuries for this team that's looked really, really good so far this year. But they're still a top team, top 10 team right now. We'll see how they adjust with getting James Robinson now from the Jacksonville Jaguars to complement Michael Carter in that backfield. So when we'll see how the offensive line does without Elijah Vera Tucker. But what are your thoughts on the Jets after seven weeks? Yeah, I mean, they've 100% came out and surprised everybody. There is still – I mean, to have this team as a top – I think in a normal year of football, this team is like a, a, a top 15, 16 team. They're a team that's like cracking the top half of the league, outside shot at the playoffs. But because of how bad the league has been as a whole this year, they are a top 10 team. Um, but there's still lots of causes for concern when you – like if you put the Jets up against really – 
any of the teams that we have them below, except maybe like, I don't even want to say maybe any of the teams that they're below, I would say in our consensus rankings, there's serious issues and you wouldn't expect them to win any of these games. Um, but with that being said, I think James Robinson, he's, I think, I don't think he's a worse running back really than Brees Hall. Brees Hall obviously is, is great at catching the ball out of the backfield and, and making plays up the field, which they are losing with the Brees Hall injury. But I think James Robinson is, is really going to fill those shoes pretty easily for them because James Robinson, people forget. I mean, last year he was a good running back. The year before, he was like one of the best undrafted rookies we've ever seen, yeah. especially at the running back position with right. a terrible offensive line and a terrible head coach with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think James Robinson will fill that role more than more than sufficingly. Uh, if that's a word, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Jets are deserving of a top ten spot for sure. If James Robinson is with the Jets next year and Bruce Hall is back healthy, um, I know you know this is just off the top of your head, but just you could throw out like top five, top ten, top fifteen, whatever. But as far as the running back room for the New York Jets, where do you think that would rank among running back rooms in the NFL if they have the same three next year? Oh, I think it'd be. I mean, I think it'd be very comparable to like. I mean, poor Miles Gaskin gets kicked to the curb. I mean, that might be Michael Carter. Um, then we see the great dynamic duo of Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds. I think that's kind of comparable to what we may see here. Uh, what say you? I mean, if, if anyone's going to get kicked <laughs> to the curb, it's going to be James Robinson, I'd assume. You know, really? Undrafted guy that they don't have much. Who cares? Dra- they don't have much James capital. James Robinson's better than Michael Carter. But Michael Carter, this is this is a team that drafted Michael Carter in what the third, fourth round, and James Robinson can't stay healthy either, and he's also a restricted free agent. So um, I can name quite a few teams that would benefit from adding James Robinson to their. Of course, no, I agree, but he's he's obviously not healthy right now. So, I mean, I think he'll start over Michael Carter. Once I don't think healthy. he will. Not definitely not this week. Maybe maybe you know, down when, the line. When, but... when healthy and he knows the playbook, I mean. I don't know if Michael Card is that guy. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see if, if Michael Card is that guy. Number nine. Who's it? All right. I <laughs> got <laughs> The uh, Baltimore Ravens, who, uh, you know, only a few of these we agreed on. This is one of the ones we agreed on. We both have the Ravens at nine. Uh, coming off a win against the Cleveland Browns, they have not looked great, especially offensively. Lamar Jackson starting hot the first couple weeks of the season. Um, it's kind of shifted gears into the other direction and has not looked himself. Is is that because Rashad Bateman was out of the lineup for several weeks? Possibly. Mark Andrews has been hurt as well. J.K. Dobbins is hurt, but now they have Gus Edwards back. A lot of injuries again with this Baltimore Ravens team, but they're still right at the top of that AFC North race with the Bengals. Um, and obviously a big Thursday night game against the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay uh, this week. So what are your thoughts on where we have the Ravens? Yeah, when you asked me my thoughts on this Ravens team, Jet, I got a lot of them, quite a few thoughts. We get into the Thursday night football game a little bit later on in the show. Um, but for now, yeah, this Ravens team is a team that I expected to go 13 and four, I believe, was it, or 14 and three? 14 and three, I think. Yeah, I, I had them having a crazy record heading into this season. That record's not possible, I believe, right now. Or is it's, it? No, it's still on the table. It, yeah, it is. It is still on the table. We just need a little ten and a run from Baltimore, um, which isn't isn't impossible. I mean, the Eagles are six and zero. Who says the Ravens can't go ten and zero? Why not? Right. A little reverse sweep. 
Yeah. Um, uh, kind of like the Celtics did, but. Right, absolutely, yeah. What I will say here, I think they're a good team still. I think that injury, I mean, there's something to be said about teams that are constantly injured. And I don't know what the solution really is, but it's like, do these teams like have stretching? Or like, do they do yoga? Do they do anything to make their body more limber and able to take stress on their bodies in such a high stress body sport? Um, because you think of the Ravens and the Niners, and I'm sure you could think of, you know, other teams as well. They're constantly, you know, among the top of the league in injury reports. And, you know, that something has to change, whether it's staff. I, I mean, I don't even know what you would change with something like that. Um, but, you know, if Mark Andrews has 0.4 fantasy points, there's something up. Um, but the, yeah. the Ravens, the Ravens are, I think the Ravens are still a good team. I don't think they're, I don't think their four and three record tells the whole story. At number eight, we're also in agreement on the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously not a great week against the Kansas City Chiefs at home. They got absolutely demolished. And I know they're they're still still dealing with injuries. Um, we saw Christian McCaffrey this in his first game as a 49er. Didn't play as much as he's going to down the line. I think he had like 20 or so snaps, but you know, still looked pretty good. Uh, the offense, you know, it, it wasn't great. I think the defense is obviously more concerned, and I know it was, you know, going up against the Chiefs' offense. But the 49ers did have a bunch of guys back. Nick Bosa was back. So that that is good to see going forward. Uh, personally, when I look at the San Francisco 49ers team, and I know it's a very weak NFC, I think they're the biggest threat to the Philadelphia Eagles come playoff time. I just think on paper, once this team gets healthy on both sides of the ball, they, they're going to be – um, a, a thorn in the Eagles side if they end up having to play each other in the playoffs. I just, when I look at some of the other teams in the NFC at this moment in time, yeah, you can argue the Vikings, you can argue the, the Giants or Cowboys maybe, but I think the San Francisco 49ers are the biggest threat to the, the Eagles right now. Yeah, you're a, big, you're a big Niners fan. I know you got that part-time George Kittle jersey, you know, sitting in your closet somewhere. I have yet to see it, but it, it, your stripes show, Jet. And what I mean by that, is you've had this team among the tops for quite a quite some time now. Obviously, me adding them to the upper 10 of this power rankings has nothing to do with their performance uh, because they just got absolutely pasteurized uh, at 4 o'clock on Sunday. And it has everything to do with adding Christian McCaffrey to an already dynamic offense. I think I mentioned this our last episode. You know, they got four of the most dynamic players in the NFL as far as, like, you know, they could they could line up really anywhere on the offense um, and play as any position on the offense as, you know, Jet just tingles his toes and sneezes out loud. Uh, but, you know, you got Juszczyk, Kittle, Debo, and now McCaffrey. These are four guys that, you know, you can't really hold them down to just one position. And so that's the reason I think – that they went up for me. Um, but obviously for them to go any higher, I need to see some type of something for it. They need to show something for it. Um, names mean nothing in this league as we all know, maybe not jet necessarily, but right, I do right. know that names mean nothing. Absolutely. League. It's all about the production. Um, exactly. exactly. Number seven, we have the Minnesota Vikings. I have them at six and Tommy has them at seven, obviously not much to speak about this team last week since they were on a bye week, but going forward, obviously this team has been very, very hot. 
the past several games, what I believe they're they're five and one right now, if, if I'm correct. Yes. Yeah. Send that one losses to the Eagles back on Monday night football. But um, you know, the, the big questions I think for this team is when they play a little bit stiffer competition, and they don't have a lot of it, you know, down the stretch, but um defense is still definitely a concern. I don't think the offense is a concern with with all the the skill. The playmakers they have on that side of the ball, I think defense is definitely a concern. But, um, you know, if this team continues to play well, I think they're going to continue to warn our attention going forward. Yeah, a little bit unfair of us, honestly. They moved down in our consensus rankings <laughs> from four to seven after yeah. a bye week. But, I mean, like I, I mentioned this when we first talked about it, their five-in-one record, they're five-in-one losing to what we both consider to be the best team in football right now. And they, I'm not as high on them as I was preseason when I thought they would go uh, 11 and six. And that's, right. you know, just a product of how they've been playing, how close every single game has been. And I think really that is the Kirk Cousins effect that close wins, close losses. Um, you know, regardless, though, they're definitely deserving of a top 10 spot. And I think top five really isn't out of the question still. Uh, you know, Jefferson, Cook, Thielen. Irv Smith, KJ Osborne, two names we haven't really called on this year quite yeah. a bit. CJ um, Hamm we, well. we were both high on them heading into the year. Uh, I think I think this Vikings team is is here to stay. I think they're definitely a playoff team. I think they definitely win the North. Uh, once they how they play when they're in the playoffs, that I really couldn't tell you because I myself have zero clue what they're going to look like. Yeah, I don't think anyone does. Um, no, well, I usually do for most teams. So Right, absolutely. Man. Um, number six, this is actually the biggest difference of opinion we have within the top ten, the Cincinnati Bengals, who I have at number seven and Tommy has at number four. And when I look at where I ranked this team a week ago, they were at number ten. So they're going up three spots for me. And obviously another dominant win. Uh, this time against the Atlanta Falcons last week, I believe it was the New Orleans Saints, but it it looks like this team is finally, you know, picking things around per se. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, the defense from the beginning of the season to now really wasn't a huge concern. It was the offense getting in its groove, the offensive line coming together as a unit unit. And it seems like they're finally doing that. Jamar Chase has been unbelievable. T Higgins will be fine once he's fully recovered from this injury. And then obviously Joe Burrow, um, you know, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd as well. Um, yeah, just everyone on this offense, even Hayden Hurst, like they've all been producing all across the offense and, you know, it's looking like they could be the favorite to win this division. Once again, if the Ravens, really can't figure things around. And I know the Ravens have already beaten the Bengals once this year, but the Bengals are playing a little bit better at this moment in time. Um, obviously, they're going to be there once again in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, like you, you, I couldn't have said it better myself. The Bengals are picking things around. They're figuring things around. Um, these are all things that we look for in teams. <laughs> We're going to rank them in our top tens. Um, you know, my first question I asked myself, you know, like for the Rams – are they picking things around? Are they figuring things around? You know, and neither of those things are true. Granted, they came off of a bye this week. Uh, but regardless, neither of these things are true. So that's why the Bengals are in this spot in the top 10. And I had to make sure you mentioned Tyler Boyd there, Jet. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you didn't, you know, I would have been a little bit disappointed coming off of a 30-point fantasy point day, which really amounts to about six catches, well over 100 yards and a touchdown. 
he is just as dangerous as the other two names that are always mentioned. I would say, honestly, I think he's a better receiver than T. Higgins. T. Higgins is like a Mike Williams type receiver to me. He's just big. He goes up and gets the ball, strong hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he finds a good catch point, and that's that's that. Tyler Boyd, though, he is he's more of what this offense needs, I think, uh, because T. Higgins they already have in Jamar Chase. They already have a strong a strong handed receiver that's quick and runs routes really well um, and is good at finding the ball on deep routes with defenders in his face. Tyler Boyd is, is the guy that they really, I think, need to utilize more uh, as he's, you know, he kind of specializes in some whip routes. He hits the slants really well. He's very hard to guard one-on-one, especially if it's a short route that's a little choppy turns and cuts. Um, and I think if they utilize him more, this team is going to continue to open up that playbook and not even Zach Taylor can stop them. Um, and it looks like, you know, the past two weeks, the Bengals that we've expected to see is the first two weeks that Zach Taylor hasn't played defense for the opposing team against the Bengals. Yeah. Um, I mean, what what's the, the reason that you have him? I don't know where you had them last week, but why number four as opposed to, well, I have him at seven. So why, why are they above some of the other teams that you have below them? Um, so I have them at four below above the Cowboys, Giants, Vikings, Niners, Ravens, and Titans. Uh, I have the Titans in my top 10, the Jets at 11. Um, but yeah, inside my top 10, Titans, Ravens, Niners, Vikings, Giants, Cowboys. I think the Bengals are better than the Cowboys because they have a better offense. They're better than the Giants because they're just, they're more explosive. I don't think the Giants, the Giants really don't threaten anybody to score 21 points in a quarter ever. Um, as good of a, as much of a well-rounded team as they are and as much better coached as they are, I, they just don't have that ability to strike and kind of turn a game around and, and kind of end the game within the first three quarters of it, where I think the Bengals do have that ability. Vikings, I've mentioned, I, I'm very concerned about with what they've done so far. The Niners, they have not performed regardless of the names that they have. The Ravens have really slunk it up the past few weeks, and the Titans I don't think are good, uh, but they're top ten team this year. So, fair enough. Uh, number five, we have the New York Giants, who I have at number five, and Tommy has at number six. Obviously, another big win for the Giants team on the road last week against Jacksonville, and now they play Seattle. This upcoming week, and Daniel Jones has looked really, really good in this new system. Uh, seems like he's keeping his turnovers to a minimum. Is using his legs, which is one of his, you know, strengths as a quarterback, and he's he's making the right throws. And I know he doesn't have a lot of pass catchers to work with, but maybe Wondell Robinson will be the the one the go to guy that he is looking for um, down the stretch, but. The Giants' offense has been, I think, a lot better than expected. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with Saquon Barkley as well. And then the defense, more so the pass defense, because their own defense has, you know, ha- had some issues within some of, some of the games in the past. But overall, the Giants team is obviously surpassing expectations. If they keep playing the way they do, um, especially in a weekend FC, they could be in the playoffs for the first time in a while this year. Yeah, very long time. And this team is the epitome of just good coaching and a good culture. I mean, people think that stuff is a myth. Not go ask, the heat. Yeah. Go, go ask the Los Angeles Lakers. That's that was gonna be my example. Um the culture between a team with names and a team with coaching and discipline 
and hardworking players is eons different. Go look at the Philadelphia Phillies. You know, I mean, we'll talk about that a little bit later, I guess. If we really have to talk about the Phillies, we'll do it later. But, yeah, the, I mean, they've turned guys like Landon Collins and Jalen Smith back into National Football League stars where they were both really out of football until they got signed to the Giants practice squads and beyond this season. And Brian DeBall, as I like to call him, has really worked wonders for the offense. He's worked wonders for Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, although – He's not, and and something I'll get into in a minute is that people are saying he deserves MVP consideration. Whether I agree or disagree, I'll get into in a second. But Daniel Jones, even though he's not, you know, the picture of confidence, this is the first time in his, what, four-year career already that he's actually shown some confidence in himself. Yeah. Um, and he's actually shown confidence with the football. He's not turning the football over as much. Mm-hmm. Hasn't thrown interceptions since week three. We're heading into week eight, folks. Daniel Jones, I mean, he was the guy that was picked on and ridiculed for doing what a lot of these big-name quarterbacks are doing and getting paid a lot more for what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I do think Daniel Jones looks really good. Like you mentioned, Wandale Robinson I think could be a beast. Don't forget David Sills the fifth. Uh, and really don't forget Richie James, 28-year-old receiver, looking to revive that career. But uh, as far as the MVP candidacy goes for Daniel Jones, here is where I stand on that because I do know we have quite a quite a handsome setting of Giants fans as our viewers to the show. So here's how I feel about this. Daniel Jones, although he's played well and he's done what he needs for his team to win, in my opinion, MVP is most valuable player. You take Daniel Jones off that team – I think they're still kind of doing what they're doing. You take Saquon Barkley off that team. I don't know if I could say the same. Um, Daniel Jones does lead the league in game-winning drives. Um, Bottom of the league in turnovers. He's done well. Props to Daniel Jones. Seriously, he's done great. Uh, I was one of his biggest critics coming out of college because it was like, you know, you trade up to get this guy. You could have traded down to, like, the second round and probably still got Daniel Jones. Um, But – for what it's worth, he is playing very good football right now, Jeff. Absolutely. Well said there. Uh, number no, four. I can tell you aren't listening to any anything I just said. No, absolutely. Uh, no, you could have yeah. gotten Daniel Jones in the second round because he went too no, high. Right. No, no. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start giving you the, the feedback that you give me. So go ahead. All right. Number four. We have the Dallas Cowboys. I have them at four. Tommy has them at five. Another another good win for them against the Detroit Lions at home with Dak Prescott now back in the lineup. Um, Absolutely. I mean, the defense really has been the story for this team all throughout this season, just absolutely dominating once again, continue to get better. And then the offense, I think, will pick things up as the season progresses as well with Dak back in the lineup. Um, still got CeeDee Lamb. You still got the running backs, Pollard and Zeke. You still got Noah Brown, who looks like CeeDee Lamb as well. Um <laughs> It's just racist. Well, I mean, <laughs> 85, 88, they look like the same exact person. I mean, no race here. All love. Everyone's equal. Um, Cowboys. Put that on the Instagram. <laughs> Cowboys, go ahead. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, Cowboys. Uh, yeah, the Cowboys. It pains me to have them inside my top 30. Um <laughs> I enjoy putting them between 31 and 32 most of the time. 
again, this is a product of the NFL being such a bad on the field viewing this year. Um, more than the Cowboys being a good team. Dak Prescott came on and did exactly what he does best. They win a game against a really bad team. They win it convincingly. And then they win it really convincingly when he throws his first touchdown pass of the game with three minutes left. Um, that's really the story of Dak Prescott's career. You stat pads. And I mean, I don't, I can't say I fault him for it. I mean, I wouldn't mind if guys stat padded. Uh, more often because it makes fantasy more interesting. It makes NFL red zone more interesting. It makes the witching hour more interesting. But, uh, you know, Dak Prescott is the king of stat padding. I hate to say it for all of you Dak stands out there, but uh, it's, it's, it's what he does. It's what he is. The defense looks good. I'm still not ready to say Trayvon Days is a top five corner, um, which I know a lot of people are out there. And I'm still not ready to say that Micah Parsons is the greatest linebacker since Lawrence Taylor even though I know a lot of you are out there. So <clears throat> it's just, it, it, there's nothing wrong with this team. It's just the fan base is unbearable. Right. And even if I didn't know any of them in real life, it, it's still like, I, I see it scrolling through Twitter, um, you know, like an NFL posted a tweet and it's like, it's just Cowboys fans saying like, Oh, I thought we were going to suck this year. I mean, you kind of did, <laughs> but who, you know, you've beaten the Bengals when they couldn't gain 10 yards, but Cowboys top five team this year. They're going to choke in the playoffs, you know, as always. Basically, all I'm saying is the world revolves. The ML Blues Yankees, I guess you could say. Dodgers. Yeah. Because they, I mean, they kind of feed on bad teams like the Diamondbacks, Rockies. I think it's more like that. Yeah. At least the Yankees have a tough regular season schedule. That's true. Um, Let's let's Absolutely. do some jum- let's do some jumbling here. Let's let's jumble all the the top three teams together because since we're we are in agreement on who the top three teams are at this point in time, Eagles at one. This is a huge fish to fry if we're doing all three. Let's fry it. Let's fry it. Okay. I got my I got my fryer turned on, all ready to go. Let's uh let's fry this. I want to let it get hot for a second. <laughs> you just turned it on. Uh, fish has turned out soggy. You asked me. I work at Keller's Barbecue. Yeah. Fry some catfish in there, but this is a much bigger fish. This is Absolutely. a, uh, I'd say this is a whale jet. Yeah, I mean these are the whales in the NFL right now. So, okay. so let's hear it. Philadelphia Eagles at one, Buffalo Bills at two, and Kansas okay. City Chiefs at number three. Obviously, mm-hmm. the Eagles and the Bills were on by this past week, and the Chiefs had a pretty dominating win after a tough loss this week um, against the San Francisco. 49ers, I mean, for the Eagles, they still have not lost the game. Um, I know, you know, us, us Dolphins fans and, and the 72, 72 team are hoping that the Eagles lose shortly. I mean, we want that record to to hold up for us. Obviously, it's, it's an important, you know, memoir for the franchise as well. <laughs> um, the Buffalo Bills, they're right up there with the Eagles as far as talent goes on this team. They only have one loss, and, you know, they were a Super Bowl favorite to begin the year. Nothing really has changed since then. And then the Kansas City Chiefs, another team that has been really, really good all season. They've had some bumps in the road, uh, losing to a poor team like the Colts with no quarterback. And um, But other than that, the offense has looked fine without Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey has been as good, and the defense has, hasn't looked terrible as well. Uh, so these are the top three teams, I think. Not a consensus for us, but I think for a lot of uh, fellow NFL fans out there. Yeah, I'm very tempted to move the Bills to three and the Chiefs to two. Um, I just can't do it due to the 
head-to-head victory that the Bills have. I do think the Chiefs are still a better team, and I think the playoffs are going to prove that. I, I, I mean, do you think do you think the Bills beat the Chiefs this year if they come together in the playoffs? I mean, if it's in Buffalo, I think I think the Chiefs, I think the Bills definitely win that game. Really, play, definitely. In the definitely. I mean, they've 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 gotten screwed over by. I don't think they haven't played each other um, in the playoffs in Buffalo yet. I don't think. It's because the Chiefs are always a better team. That's what I'm saying, though. Like they haven't even had that chance to play uh, play in Buffalo. I think if they play in Buffalo, I think it'll be a different story. And obviously, the overtime rules have changed too. So I think that's only a positive. All right, I need to hear this though for sure. Are you one of the people that thinks Josh Allen is better than Patrick Mahomes? He's not better. He's not better than Patrick Mahomes. All right, as long as okay. I'm not a Mawater. I'm not a Mawater. No, well, there's a lot of people that think it. So, oh, well, I know, but there's there's one there's one that I can't stand. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good jumble sesh right there. Um, you want to talk about the World Series preview or Thursday night football preview? Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, continuing where we we started, and I like to continue on the same theme and uh, strike it while the iron's hot, as as they say. You know. Sure. <laughs> Go ahead and take us through that segment then, whatever that means. Thursday night football. We got a we got a nice game in my backyard this week. Uh, metaphorically speaking, obviously, my backyard is Hard Rock Stadium. But um, the Buccaneers and the Ravens are facing off on Thursday night football. Four and three Ravens, three and four Bucks in Tampa Bay. Both teams, I think, coming into the season, I think a lot of people would have expected this matchup to be you know, going into a lot more hype around it. Maybe both of these teams had one or two losses, but that's not the case. But I think based on what we've seen in, in some of the Thursday night football games in the past this year, this one could definitely be a little bit better. Um, what's the line for this game, Tommy? Uh, currently, the Ravens are favored to win in Tampa by one and a half points. What do you, what do you think about that line? You tell me what you think about that line, Jeff. I'm hammering it. I'm hammering that line. <laughs> I'm taking the Ravens all day to cover, to cover one and a half. <laughs> Go ahead and turn that phone sideways, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Rewind uh, and turn that phone sideways right now to see me hammering the Ravens for this game. Uh, yeah, Jet. You know he he still hasn't learned that. Uh, Props are a lot easier to use when you don't have a green screen going, but <laughs> I can't fault him for it. The energy's there. The emphasis was there. Uh, now he's fixing some wiring underneath his desk, as you guys can see. If I'm closing the tool chest. I'm going to have a hammer lying around my desk. Uh, I won't. <laughs> uh, I'm going to agree with Jed on this one. I think Ravens minus one and a half is a pretty easy bet. Um, which if we both say that, that would mean that we're both picking the Baltimore Ravens to win this one outright, Jet. And well, I just want to do the a... hammer thing. but uh... Okay, well, then we'll no, go no, ahead no. and give us an update on our current standings in the head-to-head. Absolutely. Not, you know, not, not a lot has changed since we last talked about this, um, considering that Tommy and I both finished with a record of 8-6 and six last week. Um, one, and, one and one for underdog picks. We both picked the Jets to upset upset the Broncos um and then I got my lines upset pick of the week and then Tommy was just far off on the Steelers upset and the Dolphins that just was never going to happen to begin with 
Um, he, he knows it was a it was a spot that he could have made up ground. Unfortunately, not. Which leaves me still one game ahead of him in the overall standings: fifty-seven, fifty, and one for me. 56, 51, and one for Tommy. That stupid Colts loss is still that little one tie that we have to look at in the standings now. It absolutely sucks. But um, underdog picks, I still have a half game lead over Tommy, 11 and 16, and Tommy has a record of 11 and 17. Hmm. Thoughts? I'm a little bit – I'm just confused. I'm hung up on the words that you said about far off on the Steelers prediction. Yeah, it was just never going to happen. One score game that ended on a you know interception in plus territory for the Pittsburgh right. Steelers. And might I add, very, very plus territory. Uh, no, no, absolutely. Um, I just think that when you looked at this Pittsburgh Steelers team coming into it, you knew those type of things were bound to happen. And like, Well, as someone that did watch this game with Jed on Sunday night and we were both completely in the right headspace, you know, what I did witness from Jet was a little bit of uh, anguish over there on the side of the couch. I, I could tell that he was used to the couch, you know, with the Marlins and the heat and et cetera. But he was a little bit nervous to touch it because he could see a Steelers come back in the loom um, on its way, but it, it never came to fruition. I never good lost to Jet. No, good pick to Jet. And, uh, yeah, that's really about it. And I can get into our um, our player prop pick <laughs> standings yeah. as well. Okay. Um, last week, Tommy finished with a record of nine and seven. I as well finished with a record of well, I finished with a record of nine and six. I did one less player prop pick than Tommy mm-hmm. this time for some reason. I wanted to do three for the Thursday night game. Uh, so be it, obviously, but I did not make up any ground. Well, I made up a half a game, 37 and 40 for me for player props, 46 <laughs> and uh, 32 for uh, the Finkster. No ties on these. No ties on these. Not yet. I don't know how you would tie on these, but not nothing yet. So let me go ahead and break down this game script, if you don't mind. Okay. All right. Here's what I'm seeing in the Baltimore-Tampa Bay game. It's going to start out hot early. It's going to start out real hot real early, actually. We're going to see a Mike Evans touchdown within the first six minutes of the game. Afterwards, and, you know, for all you first touchdown betters out there, go ahead and hammer. Go ahead and lock in a Mike Evans' first touchdown score. You'll probably get odds about plus 600, if I had to guess. Um, So we're going to see a Mike Evans touchdown. We're going to see the Ravens fight back hard. We're going to see a 7-7 end to the first quarter. Um, and then this is when things start to kind of topple over 14, seven end of the second quarter in the Ravens favor. Um, so we're heading into halftime at 14, seven Ravens, um, final score. I'm looking at like a 23 to, you know, 10 or 13 finish in the Ravens favor. I'm going to call 23, 13 is the final score. Ryan Suckup continues his fantasy legacy with two field goals and an extra point. Uh, both field goals, probably 50 yarders as well. Do you think there's any way the Bucs can win this game? Any way? Yeah. I mean, well, if Tom Brady, you know, rips his head out of his lower intestine, um, then yeah, the Bucs could win this game. Do you think, do you think if, there's if, zero, there's zero compatibility of this team right now. Nobody likes if, each other. Tom Brady hates the offensive line. The offensive line, I'm sure hates Tom Brady. Uh, the receivers all probably feel like they're not getting the ball enough. 
Leonard Fournette can't get shit going, and he's annoyed with the offensive line. Offensive line is annoyed with him. The defense has been, you know, very underperforming, and Todd Bowles has been dog shit. Uh, the lack of meshing and, you know, for, for what Jet would do is, you know, coming together for this team is, is just – it's too much to overcome. Um, and I don't see a world where the Buccaneers are four and four after this one. Yeah, I wanted to get my uh, two cents in. Um, it's kind well, of you asked me a question, so I you know went yeah, and answered it. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought of something on the spot there, and I thought it'd be nice to to uh, bring up. And I'll, I'll you know I'll let you answer this question as well. Um, if for some reason Giselle decides to get back together with Tom Brady before Thursday, do you think the Bucks win this game? Yeah, I mean, a lot of things can happen, you know. If she gets back with Todd Brady, you know, I'm not going to say from personal experience, but, you know, sometimes it does make your mental state a little bit different, a little bit better, if that's what you're asking. Well, I mean, the only thing that I'll (laughs) say is, like, if she does ask him to get back together with him, I feel like, you know, she's already putting him through all this other stuff, and it's just not worth it to go back into it because, you know, you put someone through all that kind of stuff. um, It's just not really worth it to, you know, raise the end to that kind of experience again. Right. Um, well, I think at this point, it's kind of a win-win situation. You know, we're halfway through the season anyway, especially for the Bucks, as there's right. no playoff aspirations. So I think, you know, I think Giselle can put her differences aside, mm-hmm. swallow her pride for eight more weeks, mm-hmm. and then the family's back together. Or 50 Tom more Brady. years, you know? Yeah, right. And then, well, yeah, we that's to be determined. Yeah. But I think Tom Brady, you know, by season's end will be, Kissing his wife and kids on the lips. Right. For the Absolutely. rest of his life. Just like we all should. All we should all kiss our kids on the lips. <laughs> Everybody just turn your phone back right side up. I'm sorry I even had to hear that, much less see it. Um yeah, that's that's the game script. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what Jet's idea was for that segment of questioning. Uh I don't know the relevance even of it. So yeah, that's that's about it. Uh, let's go ahead and pick a prop. Yeah, and that's uh, that's on you. So yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, I got them. I got them all queued up. I was just waiting for the queue. Um, okay. if, if if you know where I was getting at there, let's do a little um, a little passing yards action for Lamar Jackson. And this is actually, I'm actually surprised what I'm looking at right now. And I guess it's just an indication of what he's been doing the past five games. And maybe it, it doesn't seem low to you. But his player prop right now for passing yards is set at 205.5 yards. What, what are your thoughts on that? Considering the last five games, he's averaged 173.2 and he's only hit the 205 mark twice in the past five games. I'm throwing the schmegma all over the over on that one. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that the over okay. is uh, <laughs> I think that the over is a pretty good bet. Um, okay. I could see a world where I can definitely see a world where the Ravens put up 23 points and Lamar doesn't have a whole lot to do with it, um, especially with how the Gus bus looked last week. But I still think, I mean, 203 yards, that's asking for less than that is asking for back-to-back really, really shitty games from Mark Andrews, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think we see that. Is Bateman back yet? Yes. Yeah. I don't think we see, I don't think we see under 205. Okay. Uh, we'll do we'll do another we'll do you know what we'll do we'll do three for Thursday night games just to keep the, the okay viewers. well let's hear your pick then so yeah oh I know it's over I thought I thought you know okay. it's uh 
you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hammering the over there just so, just so we're all clear. I figured I, I figured I wouldn't put it away yet, just in case I want to hammer any other bets going forward. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm hammering the over there. Next one, we're gonna go to the other side of the ball. Leonard Fournette, obviously, has been a big part of the passing game, not necessarily the rush, rushing attack this year. Um, his player prop for receiving yards is set at 29 and a half. He has eclipsed. This number in four of the past five games and one where he didn't was last week where we had seven receiving yards. He's averaging 44 in his last five. What do you think about this one? I think that's a bit of a trap, actually, Jet. Interesting. Okay. I like the Ravens linebacking core a lot, and I like the Ravens defensive line a lot, and I think we're going to see a lot more Leonard Fournette in pass blocking um, than we are on we're going we're gonna to see routes run from him. I'm going to take the under, actually. Okay. And that's as a proud Leonard Fournette fantasy owner in two of three leagues. Very – a little too proud, if if I'm being honest here. Um, That's fun. I'm taking the over here. I just think that Tom Brady, with how banged up the offensive line is, that he's going to continue to dump off the ball to his running backs. And even if it's Rashad White for a little bit more, um, I still think Fournette's going to get his work. Um, This is is an easy over. I'm not hammering it, but – I, I am I am gonna take the over here. Uh, last week we, we did some kicker action. Let's do it again. I figured let's let's talk about Justin Tucker. Kidding. There's no player props available for him. Um, <laughs> let's talk but, Ryan Sucky. No 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 no. Uh, we're not doing Ryan Sucker. We're gonna go back to the other side of the ball here. And there's no there's mm-hmm. no uh, player props on that guy as well. So we're gonna go to Ryan Sucker. Okay. Um, let's Sucky. Let's do it. Field goals made set at one and a half. He's averaged two over the past five games, and he has hit the one and a half mark in three of the past five games. Only one last week. Um, does Ron Sucker carry this Bucks team again this week? Yeah, I'm smooshing the over here. Um, if I do see a 13 point finish for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like I'm expecting, uh, that would include a Mike Evans touchdown in the first and two Ryan Suckup field goals, as well as a Ryan Suckup extra point. So I'm going to go over. Smush it. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I wanted to bring out the hammer, but it's just not something I can do in this kind of situation. Um, I, I still think – I mean, I definitely think he gets one field goal. The question is, does he get that second one? I'm going to say he does. I don't feel great about going over for the first three player prop picks. Say that 14 and a half times fast, but um, I am going to do that. Take the over. Hope he gets that second field goal. Off we are, off we are, off we go on another NFL. Are you taking the over on the game? Total is, is set at 45 and a half right now. I'm going to take the under. Not hammering though. Not hammering it. I, I'm taking it, taking the under cautious. I'm cautiously optimistic about taking the under. I think it's just, I know last week with the game we saw how high scoring was obviously <laughs> – I think that's an outlier. I think Thursday night games, they're usually lower scoring than normal to begin with. And neither of these offenses have been as great as we initially expected. So I am, uh, I'm hitting the under, but not hammering the under. All right. I'm hitting the under as well. What do you, let's get a final score prediction from you here. Um, Okay. So you're going to just steal the 23 from me? Well, I mean, that's just what I think. Okay. 
So you see it ending at 40. I see it ending at 36. Uh, like we said, both hitting the under, both in the Ravens' favor, and both expecting a big game from Lamar Jackson and Ryan Suckup. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Wrap that up and throw it in your sports book, motherfuckers, because Jet and I are on this week. We're both going 16 and 0. Absolutely. Or I guess there's bye weeks, but yeah, but no, no, be, be, be careful where you were going out there. Um, is it that time of day yet, or is there another thing you wanted to get into before we uh? Let's go ahead and get into the World Series preview. Why not? Yeah. Uh, we are going to see the Houston Astros and uh, the fighting. Oh, the Philadelphia Phillies are heading to the World Series, and like I said, you know, heading into the playoffs. First of all, I said Phillies Astros. If that's not enough of a pat on the back, uh, heading into the World Series, you know, right before the NLCS began, I said Astros in four, Phillies in five. Well, both of those came to fruition as well. My next great call is going to be Philadelphia Phillies in six. Uh, They will win game six. Unfortunately, the Phillies will not be able to get it done in front of their home crowd. They will get it done in Houston celebrating, uh, you know, all over the mound of the Astros stadium. It's going to be a fun series. I think, I think it's actually going to be a really fun series. The Phillies actually named Aaron Nola, the game one starter. Uh, I do think we win that game because I did have a dream last night, actually, okay. uh, that the Phillies came out on top of game one, seven to four. So go ahead and write that down. Jet seven to four Phillies win game one. Interesting. Now, that was that dream did have Zach Wheeler pitching in it though. So, you oh. know, I don't know what we're going to oh. see. Um, was very shocked to see there and Nola be pitching game one. So we got yeah. Nola versus Verlander game one. Based on my dream, I'm going to have to take Nola in that one. Do you think, um, do you think the Phillies have to take both of the games at home considering it's their top two arms? Or do you think you can get it, get away with getting one of the two in Houston to start or zero of the two? Say it again. Do you think that the Phillies need to win both of the games in Houston, considering it's your top two starters going, or do you think you can get away with winning one or, or even none? I think we need to win one for sure. Um, I've kind of said all along, whoever wins game one of this series is probably going to win it all um, because the Phillies run, I'm going to still attribute to, yes, obviously they're playing out of their minds, Bryce Harper, especially, but I'm still going to attribute their run to confidence um, and I think if they win game one, that continues. Um, if they're able to go into three straight home games uh, with a split in Houston, then I think their confidence is just going to be perfectly fine. Um, but like I said, my formula for the Phillies to win is split it in Houston, win two out of three at home, and then win game six in Houston. Um, Phil, uh, Astros' path to path to winning is they need to win game one. I still think – as good as, as as good as the Astros roster is, I still think that they need to win game one. Game one is a must win for both teams um, because no matter how much better the Astros think they are than the Phillies, it really doesn't matter in the playoffs. The Phillies took down the Cardinals, the 100-win Braves. The Padres took down the 100-win Mets, the 100-win Dodgers. And then the Phillies took down that team. Um, so I think, I really do think game one is, is of the utmost importance for both of these teams. That's why I'm a little bit disheartened at, at moving Wheeler into game two. I don't understand that. I, I'm hoping it's not injury related. That would really stink. 
Yeah, something that I wanted to bring up, I was uh, doing my my normal browsing, you know, to get ready for the show like I always do. And I found a nice, you know, interesting article. And the article is titled Astros Phillies Showdown is Biggest World Series Mismatch Since 1906. And, you know, kind of wanted to dive a little bit more into the article, kind of understand what, what this actually means. So this year, uh, this is according to the Washington Post, just so we have our, our sources out there in, in case you know we don't want to infringe on anybody. But this year marks the 11th time that the World Series features two teams with a regular season win differential of 14 or greater. Um, the teams with more regular season wins won seven of the previous 10 matchups. The last matchup where a team that was had a differential of over 40, that was the underdog, was the Nationals back in 2019, where they beat the Astros uh, in seven games. Obviously, the differential between the Astros and Phillies this year is 22 games, second most behind the 1906 Cubs and White Sox, which was a 23-game difference. Um, when I look at this Astros team, the reason that I think they're going to win this game, I do not think they want to lose to a third straight NL East opponent in the World Series within the past three years. I just don't, I just don't think that's going to be the case. I know, I, I know the Nationals, you know, gave them, gave them the challenges. Obviously, the Braves did too, and, and the Phillies will too. I, I don't think this is gonna be a sweep. I could I definitely think this series is gonna go six games. Wouldn't be surprised at all if it went seven, but reasons why the Astros are going to win this game. I just think as far as the pitching goes, yeah, the, the Phillies may have some marquee names. The Astros have, you know, a marquee name in Verlander, but the depth they have when you go deep into the rotation with Framber Valdez, um, Lance McCullers, Luis Garcia, Christian Javier, you can go on and on and on. Getting getting good at getting good quality innings out of those guys is going to make it really tough on a Phillies team. Even if their lineup is continuing to be hot, I think it's going to be very challenging. And then the second part to this is, I'm picking the Astros because I do not want a financial crisis to hit us. Um, I just would think it would be devastating for our great, great nation. Yeah. Well, getting into the financial crisis later on, uh, as for the actual game aspect of it, I do. I don't think that there's a single team out there that's eager to have their first, their two games at home to start the series. Like this, this playoff structure is different, obviously, than what we've seen in years past, and I think it may favor the underdog a little bit more than it used to. Um, but I don't think it necessarily favors the underdog in any way. But the thing is, is like no team that has busted their balls in the regular season is going to be eager to have their two games that they're supposed that are supposed to be like, you know, get right games at home against Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. I mean, no one, the, like the Astros aren't, there's no way that they're happy about, uh, how the first two games are looking to shape out. Like e even if they come out and win both of them, they're not going to be easy wins. Oh. Um, and then after that, they have to go play a full series essentially on the road in the world series, which is, is very tough on a team. Um, so not to say that it's in the underdogs favor, this structure, but I will say, you know, there's, there's not a very good chance that the Astros are excited to, play Nola and Wheeler at home, two bullpen games. And then, you know, Ranger Suarez, you call a bullpen game. He's just, he can, he has the potential to be just as good. Um, game four is a bullpen game for the Phillies for sure. And then game five, all of a sudden it's back to Nola again. Mm -hmm. And this time it's on the road and who, and Nola has been very, very good at home. Maybe that's actually why they did, 
do it this way. Yeah. To give Nola a, a start at home. Well, one thing I'll, I mean, I'll say about that is like, if, if Wheeler's your, your best arm and that, that, that point makes sense as far as getting Nola that, that start at home. Um, you know, if the Phillies are somewhat in jeopardy of, you know, losing the series and you have Nola instead of Wheeler, is that something that you would, would feel uncomfortable with considering how, you know, how good Nola has been at home or, despite the fact you think Wheeler should be that because because if you if you if you're in an elimination game and you're pitching Nola and you got Wheeler who would be pitching the next day if you win and there might not be a next day so how, how would yeah. you feel about that yeah I mean Wheeler is definitely a I mean they're both tough to hit in their own unique ways yeah Wheeler is like he's the, obviously you can tell he's the power pitcher um he's tough to people look at him as the bulldog uh, but I think Nola is kind of the same way too, in the sense of like, what advantage do the Phillies have throwing Wheeler instead of Nola? Is it really that different? Um, and I think just looking at Nola, I think that this is how Rob Thompson saw it. He saw that our advantage was giving Nola, one of Nola's starts, giving it to him at home for us, right. um, because his his home road splits are you know pretty different. And I think Wheeler's been good regardless of where he's pitched. But both of these guys have the potential to go six, seven, eight innings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I don't know. I, I don't think I prefer a pitcher if you know Saradis Paravis, as we said once before on the show. I don't know if I would you know favor one pitcher over the other. I don't know if one's really better than the other necessarily. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, what do you think, Jeff? Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, give me something of substance. No, I mean it is fair enough. It's as fair as it fair it can be. Um, mm-hmm. you could flip a coin, and I think you'd be happy with either one. It's just a matter of the moment. You know, too big for them. Yeah, I know, and uh, I've thought about it. You know, I've never really been in this situation before. But how bad would it sting to not get the job done? Oof. I, I mean, for either play. team, it's going to stink. I mean, well, but I, I think I think it hurts more for the Astros, in my opinion. What do, what do the know. Phillies have to lose though? This whole this whole playoffs, they were just you know the playing with that underdog card, and uh, no one expected them to be here to begin. Like the Astros have to exactly what the Phillies have to lose. The Phillies were no shoe in for the playoffs this year, so I don't know. We don't even know if we'll see them in the playoffs next year. No, we won't. They're finishing in fourth. I already got my predictions ready. Okay, well, you know, that makes me feel a little bit better about our season then coming up because, you know, you're not usually correct about your takes. But let's get into Chester, quotes. Chester, Chest, no. Chester. Sure. Chest, Chest, Chest. Yeah, you know, our, uh, our word of the day select here gave us a, a really hard word of the day to pronounce for this one. <laughs> it's Chester. Chester, Chester. There you go. Chester. 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 It's a verb. <laughs> to to make a gest a jester <laughs> with the chest. Okay. To to stretch the chest. Okay. Um he slash she made a chest chester chester <laughs> after he slash she woke up. Okay. So let's kind of, I mean, what does this really mean for us? Well, let's... I mean, I feel like when, when I'm just thinking of, <laughs> thinking of, <laughs> and I'm thinking of, thinking of, thinking of, of Chester, as it relates to, you know, obviously, um, 
the show that we've talked about. Um, just kind of putting two and two together. Okay. Uh, you know, it's it's an interesting development that he got to put. An interesting exercise. You got to kind of think about how does this relate to one thing or another. And I got nothing. Really, I got a few things actually. Tell me. Um, you know, Chester can pertain to you know Jets stance for sure. Let's see it. Oh my god! I mean, the, the amount of gesture going on in that stance right now. <laughs> Might as well just call it gesture. <laughs> uh, you know, we're probably gonna see quite a bit of gesture from Tom Brady on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, you know, whether he's in this position getting ready to throw mm-hmm. the iPad or whether he's in this position, hands at the hips, um, getting ready to yell at somebody, we're gonna see some gesture for sure. Well, I actually um, I thought of something. Like once the okay. Astros win, we're gonna see a lot of gesture. Once you know they're they're chest bumping everyone, and you know a little, you know, right. you know what I mean. Okay. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. There's definitely there's definitely ways you can do it. Um, we saw some gesture from Tua Tagovailoa a few times this season. Um, you know, sliding his chest across the floor uh, after failing to stand up correctly. That was some gesture in there. A uh, little bit of gesture when. Uh, Markeith Morris decided to get into it with uh, Nikola Jokic, one of the of premier players in today's game, mm-hmm. um, you know, shoves at the chest. They really, when I think of Chester, I think of uh, like a lizard, you know, they, they kind of puff their chest out, show that little red thing uh, as they're trying to mate. Right. Absolutely. You know? yeah. And that's exactly what Jet does actually when he's standing in right field, uh, he tries to mate, show some Chester. Absolutely. No, that's well said. Thoughts. Thank you. Well, I should be asking you. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in to episode 60 of the uh, 25-8 Sportscast. I'm your host, Tali Fang, and alongside me today, as always, was Jetster Rosenstein. Jetster, how are you doing today? Or how were you doing today? I was good, and I'm still good, and I'm always okay. good. So. All right, good. Man, so let's man, go ahead. And... Man. Right, cool, man. Let's get out of this episode now. Uh, I'm Tommy. That was Jetster. This was the 25-8 Sportscast. Thanks, everybody. Yes. Yes. <laughs>